looks off the sky as an itinerant preacher who he's he's not he does not have that history of studying under the proper teachers or the spirit that others might or a excuse me I can't even read we forgot all of that stuff and and where do we find him in our text we find him coming to Jesus and falling simply on his ill, no one could help her, and he was desperate. Matter of fact, you read in the Gospel of Luke, this was his only hope.
there's this delay. He is desperate because his daughter is about to die. He says, if we can just get there and see enough, Jesus can heal her. And she might die soon. And she says, yes. And I can imagine what was probably going through his mind. Oh, lady, I know this is important. I mean, but my daughter needs Jesus, and I got here first. That's the rule. If you get here first, you're first, not second. You should wait, not me. This is my daughter. And yet, Jairus seems to be forced to become in the background instead of at the forefront with this great need and this delay must have eaten him alive. And it really has him too. She has suffered for many years with a disease that caused bleeding and no one could help her. The scripture tells us she has spent all the money that she had to try to get help and she did not find the healing that she so desperately needed. It was interesting as I studied about the doctors in that day guys they were not not good in their practice often uh, they did not have any treatment that that they had as a matter of fact there was often a practice where the sick would be set on the side of the road and people could come and offer uh, treatment then or advice on what to do someone might come by and say well it looks to me like you need to fast and you um, you know, doing without food that would purge your system and you would be cleansed and this or that. Or others say, you don't eat enough. Maybe you just need to eat more of the right kind of food. And anyway, others had different kinds of treatment. <sighs> and then if, if a doctor was to conduct surgery and the surgery failed, well, then a lot of his hands would be cut off. So it was not easy or good to necessarily be a doctor in that day. And according to the Talmud, the religious writings of that day, she needed this healing. Well, for her particular treatment, uh, from what I discovered in the commentary, was uh, she was supposed to get a linen sack, first with the ostrich egg, put the ostrich egg in the sack, and to carry it around. And then when it got hot, she took it out of the linen sack and put it in the cotton sack. So tell me, how can carry carrying around a rotten ostrich egg in your sack bring healing or relief to you. And yet this was the predicament this woman was in. And in that day there were superstitions that if someone had special powers, special abilities, then there was an aura that would go forth from them. And if you could just touch their clothing, some of that special power that you know, would come out of them and find itself upon the clothes. If you touch those clothes, then maybe that power would emit into you. And so that was her hope, this superstition, that if she could just touch this healer, that she would find healing that she so desperately needed. So in the midst of the crowd, she touched Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she had been freed from pain. The original language gives the picture that she felt like she
this suffering, it was something I did that has caused this in me, this suffering, this fatigue, this bleeding. It, it was my sin. I'm not worthy to live. I, I deserve this suffering. As a matter of fact, according to Jewish tradition, with this type of suffering, if she was ostracized, if she was married, she was to be divorced. If she had children, they were to be taken away from her. She was not to be near people because she was considered almost as if she was a poison that could infect others and that could harm others. And so this was a woman who was broken. She was alone. She was without hope. She had spent all her money trying to get treatments from doctors. None of this has worked. And in her desperation, she finds herself in the crowd trying to touch the garment of Jesus in hopes that this folk tale that she had heard, this superstition, would heal her. And so that is exactly what she did. And she found him. Look what comes next. Jesus, amazingly enough, knew. He knew that she had touched him. Verse 30. At once Jesus realized the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? Now all these people asking, look at this Jesus. And because of this superstition, they're all trying to touch his garment, his, his clothing, thinking, I can just touch him. I, I too will find healing for whatever is the result or the origin of, of my pain. It'll, it'll be taken away from me. And all these people touching him, Jesus says, but who touched me? And can you imagine the disciples? I mean, they can't do this because he's Lord. He's Jesus. So they have to pretend. But first off, probably going to say, Lord, Lord, um, I can't breathe. They're pressing. They're struggling. They're trying to touch. You're being touched by everybody. What do you mean? Who touched me? And yet Jesus knew there was a specific touch. A touch that, that somehow was, was, was different. A, a need that, that somehow connected with him. And so he's called her out. desperately wanted to touch. So I want to look at three reasons of why Jesus called her out because there were others there seeking to touch him, seeking to find healing. The first was he wanted to correct her thinking. He wanted to make it clear to her, it's not just that you touched my clothing. That's not why you were healed. It wasn't that some power, some force, you know, was trying to get through me and it's on my clothes and you touch my clothes and, and now you're healed, the bleeding has stopped. No, it's far more than a superstition. That is not the reason for your healing. Secondly, he wanted to declare the woman clean. She has been ostracized. She has been by herself. She has suffered. She has thought, this is all my fault and she needs to be restored. She needs to be made clean. She needs to be able to be back in community. She needs to be restored. And Jesus wanted her to know, yes, not only do you feel clean, not only do you feel that the bleeding has stopped and that you are healed, I am declaring you are healed. 
And then thirdly, he wanted to just encourage their heart. Look at verse 34. He's told her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. You know, this is the only Obviously, in tune with her brokenness, her desperation. And he was saying to her, although you have had to give up your family, your husband, separated from your kids, you belong to me. You're my daughter. My love for you is unconditional. It is absolute. And you are healed because of your faith and confidence in me. faith is healing, but what about old John? I mean, I know he should have been healed by now. I know he should be showing up more, but he probably had some kind of fish feast to keep him going. Uh, Take a look at the Bible story of Jesus eating cold ham for Simon, but I don't think he told him that Jesus was the troll. That's my I don't know if he had a twitching eye or a stomping foot or a nervous hand that was shaking. But I'm sure he was thinking, can we get on with this? My daughter is still waiting for us to arrive, for us to get there. (laughs) And so in the midst of this, news comes. Verse 35, while Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus the synagogue ruler, your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? I imagine it would have been very difficult for Jairus not to have emotions flow through him at first denial. We were on the way. No, no, she's not dead. She has to be alive. The teacher, he promised that he would go. He promised that that he he would respond to this, that, that he would bring healing. No, this can't be. And, and, and then it would be easy for anger to boil up inside of him. Why did this happen? Does God love me? Has God deserted me? Has God abandoned me in the midst of all this? I love, look what Jesus said. At verse 36, ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid. Just came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. They hired a professional mourner from the day of funerals. 
with their clothes. They would scream and wail in agony. They would even approach the body and lay on top of the body and, and cry, you're wake up, wake up, you know, and all this stuff. Just, I can't believe you're gone. And, you know, this great drama to, to portray deep grief. Jesus walks up in the midst of that, and look what he says. Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. You know how he played it cool? Sleep's all right. took in my lap, Jesus takes all these people out and says, there's no more in there. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and he said to her, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. think Jesus lovingly said affectionately to her little girl or little 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 lamb little one you know take this and she stood up and, and they couldn't believe it I mean Jesus said you know they get something to eat which even says all the more you know she is completely well she is completely whole she is completely back of Jesus Christ that was completely broken. Now, what can we learn uh, from this? The delays that we face, or the difficulties that we face. Well, I'm going to look at two. Two we'll talk about this afternoon. First, uh, delays deepen our understanding. devastating, but that delays point to the Lord. 
Israel and that says that in those divine delays of peace, there's an opportunity for us to trust even in the things we do not understand say this is a story from Jeff Pryor. This is Jeff Pryor. Years ago when my nephew Josh was about nine years old, we were out in the yard playing tag. He tagged me and was running for all he was worth to get away from me. I was laughing and laughing as he looked back at me chasing me. Into one and ran into another. It, it knocked him right off his feet, and I swear he took a bite right out of the ceiling. A couple of his teeth were loose and bleeding, and he was crying uncontrollably. My sister, along with his aunt, tried reasoning with him, telling him the bleeding was temporary, that his teeth would be okay, but he just kept adding to Realizing this wasn't working, I asked him to step aside, and I sat on the bed beside him. I gently put my hands on his shoulder and said to him, Josh, look at me. Can you do it? Do you trust me, I asked. He nodded. Josh, you're going to be okay. Your teeth are going to be fine. Do you trust me on that? He nodded again. I tensed right up and went outside. All the reasoning in the world wasn't going to change the fact that his trust in me was all that it would take to save him. That he is faithful. That he, he is faithful. That he does have a plan. And for us, he has a purpose. Even through what appears to be what we typically ask ourselves is, am I really safe? Will it really be okay? But perhaps in, in the pain and, and the struggle, we, we think, am I really going to make it? But when we finally realize that God is there and that we can trust in Him, it is then, regardless of what the struggle is, Delays sometimes are devastating, but they can make us more trustworthy. Just like these children, right around the corner, God is faithful. You may be like Jairus who didn't have to wait that long for God to act
Father, we submit to how you do it. We submit to our humanity.